Welcome to the Sisters in Zion podcast with Danielle and Kirsten, who are best friends and active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is not an official podcast of the Church. This is a safe place for sisters to gather through conversations to draw closer to Christ. Hello, welcome friends to our Sisters in Zion podcast. We're so excited to share again just our conversation with you. We said a prayer right before we started this and Honestly, you know, I'm the one that said it. This is Danielle with you, and I'm here with Kirsten. Hi, everyone. And, you know, we just said this prayer like we just want to share our journey because we're, we all live in the same, you know, world together. We all have similar struggles and thoughts and things like that. And so we just pray that anything of our thoughts and journey and our learning experiences can be of benefit for you. And for, you know, us, as we are just talking through this, in fact, I re-listen to our podcast and sometimes I'm like, I really relearn from our own experiences. And I, we just want that to be what this is, our, our own learning journey as we are, again, diving into even just deeper stuff. And, you know, I'm going to start off today. I actually, I haven't talked too much about this on the podcast and right before when I was even saying the prayer, I'm like, I don't even know what to share. And I knew, you know, I have had lots of different thoughts and experiences, but sometimes articulating them in a way that just, you know, for those of you who've given talks or testimony and you have all these amazing thoughts and then you go to articulate it and it just comes out like blah, you know? And so I, I didn't know what to say and I haven't, Kirsten and I haven't actually talked this whole week and I'm like, I have so much to share with you. And, and then right after I said the prayer, I knew exactly what I wanted to share. And something I haven't shared too much about is um, growing up, I grew up actually, my mom and dad were married really, really young. My mom got pregnant with me in high school and they got married right when my mom graduated basically. And then they had me and they had my brother. And they, you know, about the time they were having my brother, they really realized, you know, they were trying to make a marriage work. They were doing their best because they were, you know, taking on the responsibility of, you know, their actions and, and having a child. And they, they got married, but it didn't, they didn't really have like the best relationship. It didn't start off on the best grounds. It was, they, they weren't like this couple in love in high school. It wasn't like that. And what was interesting is that she ended up, my mom ended up getting remarried. And she married this guy. She was doing her best to like follow into the gospel. She wanted her parents to be proud of her. And she just was trying to do what's right. So she met a man who was a returned missionary. And they got married in actually the Salt Lake Temple. And right in the beginning, even before they got married, my brother and I um, experienced some pretty bad ex um, things with his wrath. And we always called it a temper we were, and we just kind of said, Oh, well, you know, our stepdad has a temper, but it was actually more than that. He was really physically um, abusive. And I'm going to share with you guys here and just be vulnerable. He was actually sexually abusive to me my entire life. So being a child, I didn't know that was wrong. In fact, I remember conceptualizing that that's just what dads do. And I conceptualized that my dad didn't do that to me because I didn't live in his home. It was just how I made sense out of every night being, you know, touched by this stepfather. And then he also was very physically and of course verbally abusive. He was an unhappy man. And um, verbally and, and physically abusive in where he would um, choke us. Um, he would um, 
shove stuff down our throat if we didn't eat the rest of our peas. I remember that one time. It was just not a fun environment to grow up in. And my brother got a, a big brunt of the physical, um, harsh abuse, and I got the more brunt of the sexual abuse. And so we grew up in this home of just eggshells, of walking on eggshells. And I know, I know, ladies, I know I'm not alone in this. I know there's, sorry, I didn't even know I was going to talk about this today. I know there's so many of you who have suffered different types of abuse. And you know the worst of abuse? is actually neglect. In my master's program, I remember learning that neglect is the worst form of abuse over anything else. And so I just want my heart to go out to you where I know, I know how that affects your psyche. I know how it affects your beliefs. It affects your self-worth. I know what that feels like at some level anyway. And I don't want this to be so much focused on that other than I had a very interesting experience this week. So my entire life, I have had to navigate through. So I was 11 years old. My parents, my dad, I mean, my stepmom, sorry, my mom and my stepdad, they were married when I was five years old. So the abuse started about when I was four. And I, at 11 years old, we had this assembly in our elementary and I was already feeling uncomfortable, of course. Um, it was starting like to where I was getting a little bit older, you know, 11 years old, just going, ah, this just does not feel right. And I always knew that, but I felt like parents are who know what's best, you know? So this assembly comes from the university and they come and they do this. It's called Good Touch, Bad Touch program. And they, you know, it's college students just kind of reenacting and showing. I remember a girl sitting on a, a guy on stage. He, he was he was, um, his knee was up and he had her sit on her knee and he touched her leg. And she's like, that's not a right. You can't touch me that way. And I, I just remember this. Um, and I remember having this desire to tell somebody, but immediately, you know, who wants to get in and which is Satan. And so when I felt this desire to tell somebody, the next thought and feeling that came over me was guilt. I felt guilty for wanting to tell on a parent. And it was this, this contradictory thing. But the righteous spirit inside of me actually asked the teacher for a hall pass and said, you know, I said I wanted to go to the bathroom, but I really, this, this group of college students were going to be in the library. And they said we could come and talk to them. So I got the hall pass. I walked past the library back and forth four times. I was so afraid to go and tell somebody. And they were talking and kind of, you know, having fun together in the library. So it wasn't like the most inviting for a little 11-year-old to walk in on. And so I just quick, I mean, I was looking for an excuse to, you know, not do it because I was so afraid and I was filled with guilt for wanting to say something. So, however, that night I went home and I had the courage to tell my mother. My mother had no idea he was um, sexually abusing me. She had no idea. She definitely saw the physical and just you know, thought that's just what it is. And I just, she just thought that was okay. Um, but she didn't see, you know, the other side of that. So I ended up going to my dad's that weekend. And I guess when he came home, she confronted him about it to my stepdad and he was very angry. He denied it. He was angry. He hurt her and then he left the house. And so it kind of cascaded from there. I ended up telling my dad and my stepmom, and then we ended up getting um, police involved and he, they got divorced. So 11 years old was a big year for me, 11. 
It really was. It was life-changing, but it was also very tumultuous. Um, going to court and having to testify against him while he was angry at me. Oh, I just, I, I went through emotions. So many of you who've been through different things, maybe it's not this exact type of thing, but have been through where, you know, you are filled with like, you know, you're doing it's right, but you're filled with this confusion, this guilt, this, what am I doing? This, just um, this, this doubt, but you know, it's, you know, it's right to definitely stand up for yourself, but it just doesn't really flow easily because it's a trial. So back to this last, like from there, just battling worthlessness and battling self-love and just, just having to really figure out who I am and figure out that I'm not someone that's supposed to be used in that manner. And it, it took me many, many, many years. And once I finally felt like I gained a level of just self-love and self-confidence that I'd never had as a child and um, felt so used and abused as a child, right? And so once I was able to gain that, I really started turning to forgiveness towards my stepdad. And it was, it's not, you know, it's, it is easy. It's so simple. You turn it over to the Savior and go, I want help in, ha in being able to forgive him. And not just in a way that, yeah, I can talk about it and not be, up, you know, angry, but that's not full forgiveness. I know there's another layer. And this last year has been a huge journey for me in being able to forgive him. And as I've been praying and knowing how to forgive him, a couple of things have helped me. And, and then this week I'll share like this kind of the last thing that just happened. But one of the things, and we talked about this on our podcast on navigating through evil spirits, when I learned the reality of them all around us and and that they can get in and create fear inside of us that we end up becoming something like him, like their puppets. I, I started seeing him in a different light. I started seeing this, this innocent spirit that really did exist. It used to exist inside of him and that he was just um, whatever happened to him as a child. I just started seeing this other route of it that he having compassion on, I don't know what happened to him as a child that allowed evil to get in and start dictating over his and um, his choices and that he allowed that to happen. So that was a layer of just seeing him through God's eyes. I mean, it's, he still chose, he still had agency, he still chose to give into those evil temptations. And I think that taking that responsibility is a huge piece. And before I go into the rest, I want to give Kirsten the chance to kind of, you know, speak, speak on this topic as well of just what it's like that evil can get in and make us think that it's our thoughts and it's not. Danielle, I love you. I don't, I don't know if I have ever actually heard that story in that way before. Um, I don't think you've ever told it to me. I know what happened and we've, you know, discussed different things, but I've never heard it in that way. And um, I'm, I am humbled. I'm a little bit speechless, which I imagine um, maybe some of our listeners are, whether we've been affected directly in the way that you've described or we know someone who has, um, 
I think it's easy to think, um, I think there's a part in the middle. I think I want to hear more about like the part in me, like the human part of me is like so angry about this. You know what I mean? I, I want to be angry. I want to hear about the vengeance and all the things that, you know, that's not right. And that's not okay. And you know, I'm kind of listening to you talking about forgiving him. And I'm like, wait, no, where's the part where we're all really mad and we, we form our angry mob with our pitchforks and our, you know, our fire and we go out and burn his house down. Like, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at right now, to be honest with you. I'm not in the forgiveness stage. Like, I feel like I just heard this story for the first time hmm. and I want, okay, that's not appropriate to say. Okay. Um, let me think. I'm like, I want to hurt this man really bad. Um, so I'm being honest, right? I'm t like, I always do. I'm just telling you what I think and what I feel and all the anger that's rising up inside of me for this child that you are. But I know the other side of, I I've met you since then, right? And I've seen who you are now and what you've done. So I don't want to talk about me. I, I just want to ask you, take us through a little bit of the part where it wasn't forgiveness. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, Oh, heavenly father, help me see him for this spirit, this innocent spirit that he was like, yeah, that's the happy ending part. Okay. But like, I think people, especially people who are right in the middle of this might appreciate just hearing a little more of, do you know what I mean? Like, where were you and how did you, how did the word forgive? forgiveness even come to you? Where did that even come from? I can't even, that is so directly from our savior. And I know that, but how did that happen for you? Yeah. And yeah. I love you. Did I say that? Love you too. And you know, I just want to reiterate, I know I'm not alone in going through stuff like this. Like I just, it is, and it is a navigation. And I would say, here's a couple thoughts, you know, I was like, I really don't remember feeling so angry at him. And I thought maybe it's because I've forgotten and, and that's part of forgiveness. But the, I really think that's not a way I express my, myself at all. And the only time I have felt like some anger, it's actually, and that's probably we've, we've, we've done this all before, but when I hear the, some of the stuff he does, he has done to my brother, that is um, really harmful and damaging, that, that gets me a little more angry. And I, I don't know why it is why we can, you know, be angry for someone else and not ourselves. Well, yeah. And it's, it's like, cause he's like, I mean, he's not your child, but he's like, he's kind of like one of your kids. Like that's what I'm thinking is like, if this was one of my children and you aren't my child, but you are my best friend. And I, yeah, I feel like this mama bear protection over you that I'm just like, I want, I want to protect every single person that's in this situation. And so that's kind of, yeah, that's where that's coming from. But yeah. that's interesting that you don't express anger in that way. What a gift actually. Hmm. Never thought about it as a gift, but you're right. You know, I, mm -hmm. um, that it is, I guess, but it's also, you know, and I, I think, I do think, you know, how, how dare these men hurt children in this way? 
it's just so unhuman. And that's what I always come back to is that it is unhuman. And, you know, so for me, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of back up here. So they got divorced, obviously. Um, we all went to court when I was 11 years old. Um, actually, court and all that kind of started when I was 12. He ended up denying it through court process and his whole family. It was, that, that was the hard part. It's his entire family that was supposedly my grandparents, you know, growing up and, and his, my aunts and uncles per se, they hated me. They walked by me when I, I still remember this was probably the most harmful because I was in sixth grade at this point. And his sister, which would have been my aunt, walked by me and called me a little bee. And she said the word. And this is all church going, you know, whatever um, people, but LDS people. But I, it hurt me because I never, as a child especially, I never wanted to unplease or not please somebody. And when she and she cursed at me. And of course, as a six-year-old, I, I mean, a sixth grader, I didn't hear that type of language all the time. Not in my time and day, you know. And I, it would, it really hurt my feelings. And so. I remember getting up on the stand and the prosecuting attorney, um, he, he told my mother afterwards, he said he did not like defending, you know, Bruce, um, his name is Bruce. And he said he did not like defending him. It was just like, oh, he just said it was so awful, but he had to get up and try to confuse me on the stand. And, and it did, it confused me. And I tried to, well, it's okay. You know, and I tried to write it off that it wasn't a big deal, but I, the jury saw through all of that. They saw through this, this, I was, I lived in fear. And so they saw through this fearful child. And as I spoke and just told what he did, and then, you know, my stepdad denied it, they all found him guilty. He ended up going to prison. He went to prison and he was released sometime when I was at my senior year in high school. And so my, I didn't have anger because I just don't think that's the way I express, but I, 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 sell, I beat myself up. I felt less than, I felt worthless. I just, I internalized a lot of it. And, you know, like I was telling Kirsten um, this uh, last week, I was telling you, I think it was, that I had this, you know, this, this kind of healing little ceremony of my heart. And one part of it that really shocked me that was very healing was this time in high school. And I didn't, re I didn't know that my heart was even affected in this way. I actually went to go to cheer tryouts. I wanted to do cheer. I love dance. I danced my whole life. I went in, I was in the back and this, just this worthlessness came over me and this like, I'm not good enough. And I ended up leaving the cheer practice in the middle of it and never went back. And I didn't realize how much that signified that, you know, just this, this story of like no good and nothingness that I lived in. And it was great to have this little like insight, like little vision into my heart and just heal that piece of like, it's okay. That's where I was at. And, and it, just healing and loving myself for it instead of stealing, still feeling worthless for not following through on something. So hope that answers a little bit more to where that came from or, you know, the forgiveness went to, I'll, you know, I'll elaborate, but. Yeah. So I think to, to kind of put it all together, only recently you, it, it's been a process for you. 
right? And so after this trial, and then you know he went to prison, and then and then in high school you you tried to do cheer tryouts, and it you know didn't work out. You felt worthless, so you left, and then you carried that with you, right, for the last twenty two years or so, twenty three anyway, however long. Um, and only recently you had a moment in prayer with the Savior where you were reminded of that time, of the time at cheer tryouts where you felt worthless. And I think that's so interesting. It's kind of, it reminds me of the other episode that we did where you were talking about how you needed an answer um, from the Lord and you wanted, you know, let my friend wear pink, right? And both of your friends wore pink and, and you were reminded of that. And what I love and what I feel like our listeners can learn is that the Lord will help you heal through different things. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you were healed in a way. And again, I know we're just kind of scratching the surface of this whole experience that you had. Um, but you were reminded of another time where you felt worthless and then you were able to heal from that and realize that you weren't then and that you never have been. And it really has been that simple through the atonement of Christ. Right? Yeah, that's a good way to re, you know, put it all together. It's little bits by bits. Um, just, and I know like through, through my mission, so I served in my mission and served down in South America and Chile and I started just kind of glimpsing my worth once I started studying the gospel and becoming closer to my Heavenly Father and my Savior. That's what really started helping me feel my worth. And so once I really got on that track, and that's just through a relationship with them, that's when I realized forgiveness isn't really for the forgiver. I didn't go over to his prison cell, or I haven't ever seen him again, actually. I've never gone over to say, oh, I forgive you. It's not about him. I knew in order for me to gain the self-love, the worth, the confidence, and all of those you know, attributes that I desire that my Savior has, that I needed to forgive him for my own self. And so through gaining that confidence and through gaining that self-love has come the desire to forgive him. So I don't hold it. So I don't have, you know, that fear. And that's what really, you know, this week, what really turned for me. So like I said, through that, I've been able to just have compassion on, gosh, what a sorry life he had to leave, like lead, you know, that's awful. Like, I don't want to be him in the next life and have to be judged. Like, wow, you let evil spirits control you and you, you pretty much did what they told and, and harmed little children. Like, that sucks. Like, I just started getting to this point where it's like, wow, that's awful for you. It really is. And that was a great step for that layer, those layers of forgiveness is just seeing him through a whole different mind. Yeah. Yeah, that's really profound, actually. That's awful for you. What, again, <laughs> what a, it's such a mature way though. It's a very mature way of looking at it. Um, it's, it's not a low vibe way. It's a very high vibe way of looking at it. You know, um, for those of us that are more prone to being, I'm very fiery. I'm very, you know, like I want to like fight and get crazy and you know, all that. That's my nature. Um, I don't internalize, I explode, you know? Um, so again, I, I still am like, okay, so we're not going the angry route. 
and we're going to add some layers. And um, anyway, what I think is so profound is for you to be able to say, wow, that sucks for you. Like, yeah, to, to really think about him as a child of God, actually, and what evil spirits have completely taken over. And probably, I mean, they, they could be removed, but we don't, you know, know where he's at and we don't care. But, you know, it, it's, they probably won't be, you know, in this life. It's pretty deep at that point, you know, the guilt and the shame and all those things. So, um, but the atonement of Jesus Christ can cleanse all of those things. And I think when you have a stronger testimony of the atonement for yourself, maybe that's what helps you have a stronger testimony of the atonement for others, right? So you can see even for him, you know, whatever amount of that atonement is available for him. I mean, the full atonement is available for him, but you know, whatever amount he chooses or whatever, it's like our savior actually really does love him too. He doesn't, he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't actually love you more than he loves him. You know, it's interesting to, that I believe that those feelings and getting, again, that extra layer there is your own personal testimony of the atonement of our savior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a hundred percent that getting to know my savior and getting, having a relationship with my father in heaven is what's really healed me, but also led me to do that. I haven't just thought this up on my own. This has been through so many years of just prayer and, and I, you know, backing up a minute. I remember right before my mission and I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast or not, but it was a pretty profound experience. I, I had plans with my, my father, my real father, <laughs> my stepfather wasn't in my life since the age of um, you know, 11. Um, so um, I guess last time I saw him was I was 12. So my real father, we had plans and he had, was going to come pick me up and he comes to pick me up, but he ends up bringing um, somebody. He, he was actually single at the time. He ends up bringing another woman with him that he was friends with in a two seater car. And I remember feeling so hurt by that, but not mad. Again, I don't get fiery, angry that way so much. If I do, it's, you know, you know, something's really upset, really bad if I get really angry. But anyway, I felt just so bad inside, but I didn't want to feel bad. And I was like, it's okay, dad, you know? And I remember just, they, they, they ended up leaving. He's like, sorry, I'm going to you know, take her. And I'm like, it was only a two-seater car. I was like, okay, no problem, even though my dad and I had plans. So I go back in the house feeling sad that I didn't have the attention and love from my earthly father that I had wanted. And I remember just being like, I felt bad for feeling bad. Because again, this is like conditioning from how growing up, you know, um, feeling bad for my stepdad doing something bad for me, bad on me. So this conditioning um, was still there. And so I, I knelt down by, I remember very, very distinctly the room I was in. It was the living room and we had this like plaid covered chair, <laughs> like comfortable kind of like um, couch type chair. And I knelt down and I just said a humble prayer because I remember saying, Heavenly Father, I'm sorry. I just wanted to feel a father's love tonight, please. I remember asking just to forgive me and just help me feel okay and not feel sad. And in that moment, like 
I felt like a love from heavenly father. And I hadn't, I didn't even, I just didn't even realize that that was so real and tangible, but it filled my heart. My sadness went away and I felt direct, direct love from a father in heaven. And I remember sitting kind of like I was on my knees and I kind of remember leaning back going, Oh my goodness. Like I felt the more fatherly love than I had even like knew possible that I ever probably wouldn't even have received by just going out with my father. It was such a blessing and so beautiful. And so, you know, I'm going to, you know, wrap the story around for what happened this week. Um, But what was interesting is that I, any of us have access to that love it doesn't have to come. We don't have to put that responsibility necessarily on a, a friend, a sister, a father, a mother, like it's available. And to kind of back up on this, there's this uh, lady who has cerebral palsy and she was, um, she's the product of a failed abortion. Her cerebral palsy became about because of being a product of a failed abortion and her parents abandoned her. And she has the most love in her heart that I've ever heard of. And she speaks so powerfully. She goes, my father in heaven is the one that loves me. She just gained a relationship with him because her earthly parents abandoned. In fact, they tried to abort her. And I learned so much from hearing her and just knowing, wow, we are not victims. We have available to us our heavenly father and our heavenly mother and the love that they have and a brother and a sister. It doesn't, if it doesn't come from wherever you expect and you put like responsibility on, stop seeking it there and seek it from the direct source because that's where your parents get it from in the first place. It's just incredible. And that's, that's what heals us. That is what heals us. I love that you said heavenly mother. (laughs) I just love that. I just, there's, it's not a discussion, you know, that we ever really have or anything, but that's, that's why I'm like smiling so big, right? I'm like, yay. And her too. I love her. She's so beautiful. How to like express how like much she, I don't know. I just, I know we don't talk a ton about her, but she's amazing. And I can't even describe, I can't even say words. It's just Seeking love from them is what heals, not from worldly. But so I'll wrap up back to this, like, so years and years of layers, right? Forgiving and working on myself and wanting, desiring to forgive just so that I can work on myself and not hold things. And, and this week I ended up having a dream and I haven't had a dream about my stepfather from her for a really long time. And again, the thing that really um, stayed with me that I had to forgive to overcome was that worthlessness and that fear. And so I woke up just this week to this dream that I had been with him. I was an adult though. And in the dream, he was mean. He was angry and the things that he would, that would normally inflict fear in me. And instead of being a fearful child, I was looking at him like, well, why do you, why are you like this? I was putting it back on him because, and I just thought of this as a child, when he was like that, guess what children do? They internalize. 
They're like, well, what did I do? Oh, I was bad. I didn't finish eating my peas or I couldn't swallow the Tylenol. So, you know, he choked me, I remember. And just like, I'm like, oh, I'm so bad. I, I can't believe I can't swallow very well, you know, whatever. But as a child, we internalize. So this dream was this huge mental shift for me that I'm looking at him being this monster and I'm not afraid. And I'm going, well, why are you doing that? Why are you like that? And I was more just looking at it logically, not even judgmentally. But there is one point in this dream that he actually threw a punch at me. And that, for a split second in my dream, created fear. And I, I, it was interesting because I felt it in my dream. And I, went, <gasps> and I went, no. And I stopped myself in the dream. And I went, you can't hurt me. And he, he swung and he missed in the dream. And I just went, why would you do that? Like what, what would make you want to hit somebody, you know? And it was really interesting to be in this, uh, again, adult perspective, but a perspective of you do not have power over me. I had, I have no reason to fear because fear comes from Satan and I have my savior. I have heavenly father. I have these powerful, uh, tools of faith. Faith is the opposite of fear. And it just, I woke up and I felt so empowered. I didn't feel angry towards him. I felt sorrow, but, but no attachment in the sense of, oh, it just was so freeing. And I just, I, and again, we started this podcast and I didn't, before we started, I was like, I don't know, I don't know what to say today. And I just came to my head, share that dream. And so my prayer for whatever my experience can be is that no matter how it's applied in your life, it doesn't have to be through an abusive situation. It can be through anything that this journey can, it can, any of these principles can apply to you. And just seeking for me, the biggest thing was seeking that relationship personally with my heavenly father and the savior. That's what heals no matter what burdens, no matter what anger we're carrying towards any family member or friend or neighbor, having a relationship with them is what matters most and what is what replaces what you're putting on or projecting onto that person. You're not a victim. I agree. I love it. Thank you for your vulnerability and your testimony. It has truly truly enlightened me today. So I don't have anything to add. I just want to finish it up because you have done an amazing, amazing job. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us, friends. We will see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Sisters in Zion podcast. Music is compliments of Marshall McDonald and can be found on his Sunday Best album. You can share this podcast with others through your podcast app or Podbean website. Join us next week for more experiences, enlightenment, and conversations to draw closer to Christ.